Welcome back to another episode of the Questions Hip Hop Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Kantrowitz. You're hearing that piano, which can only mean one thing. This week's episode is a Making Illmatic. That's the series in which my co-host Midas the Beast and I take a deep dive on an album to see what happens when we trim the track list down to just 10 songs. Does it improve the album? Or does doing so actually hurt the album? This week, we're joined by esteemed journalist and friend of the show, Kevito Clark, and the album that we are putting under the microscope is Black Trash, the autobiography of Kirk Jones, which was the solo debut album by Sticky Fingers of the group Onyx back in 2001. This is our first real concept album that we've put through the M.I. Ringer, and whether you're very familiar with Black Trash or if you've never heard it before, I think you're going to enjoy this one. If you like the Questions Hip Hop Podcast, there are a couple things that I need you to do. First, leave a five-star rating as well as a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. Secondly, you can join the Patreon by clicking the link in this episode's notes or by going to patreon.com slash thequestionshiphop. When you're in this exclusive club, you get early access to episodes, bonus content that doesn't live anywhere else, exclusive video, audio, essays and articles written by yours truly and more shout out to the questions patreon i appreciate you all okay buckle up because this one is quite the ride it's a making illmatic installment of the questions hip-hop podcast with special guest kevito clark and the album that we're zooming in on this week is sticky fingers black trash the autobiography of kirk jones who did it first Who rapping there? That remix and what happened when? That's the question. And let me ask you a question. And if you ain't know what needs, then my guys know what you need. Some answers to the questions. been a minute it's the questions hip-hop trivia making illmatic back at it in 2024 maybe this will be the first one of 2024 we got a couple lined up so uh like my man extra piece don't say the date but uh you know we're, we're moving forward and uh i'm joined as always i'm your host sean Kantrowitz, and i'm uh joined as always by my co-pilot midas the motherfucking beast bang bang um i uh i, I learned that extra p line a little too late in my life really fucked me up throughout my writing years for a while. So shout out to that. You're instantly uh, postmarking uh, songs and moments. I mean, I had so many songs that were like, in 2022, we coming to get it. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just doing that type of stuff. And then that song won't come out until 24. And then it's fucked up in the game. Well, the ad libs, I think, would be easier to bury. But if you wrote a rhyme and like, you know what I mean? I'm doing it big in 2018. <laughs> it's like, uh. So one trick that I do have for that is if I'm if if the rhyme absolutely calls for a year, I always say years ahead. I'll just be like, in 2030, we getting dirty. You know what I'm saying? And then I just I just have it. So even if it comes out before, I'm just ahead of my time. You feel me? Shit, I do feel you. And you knew I would feel you. <laughs> this is a fact. 
Uh, let me let me bring in our our guest of honor. Uh, he is somebody that I've known online for a while. I think Optics was actually our um, initial bridge between each other. Uh, he is a journalist of music and culture. He has contributed to all the all the great sources for all things hip hop. Vibe, Hip Hop DX, Double XL has been doing work recently with the Recording Academy, Grammy.com. And is also the creator of Love, Peace, and Spades, a game night series in L.A. Make a warm questions, making omatic welcome for Kevito Clark. Thanks for having me on, man. Kevito, tell me a little bit more about your game night and uh, how people can find out more about it. Yeah, Love, Peace, and Spades is an intergenerational communion uh, for music, tech, education, and play where people play spades, bid with uno, tonk, and have a good time. You can find us at Love, Peace, and Spades, A-N-D, on Instagram, and at lovepeaceandspades.com. Okay, cool. Let's get into this album. And the album is Black Trash, the autobiography of Kirk Jones. Kavito, you brought this to the table. We always like to ask our guests, why are we uh, putting this one under the microscope? We're all very excited to do this, but what was it about this album that sort of spoke to you? So, you know, I respect everybody's hip-hop knowledge on this show, and I wanted to start off the new year kind of giving some callback and giving some flowers to those who kind of were predecessors to the formation of the audio-visual movie set in an album, and uh, Prince Paul's A Prince Among Thieves turns five this year, and... I can't think of anything else before that that did an album where from start to finish you were riding along in a movie going through act one, act two, act three. And then uh, I would say closest to it that I can think of was maybe Bobby Digital. That album was more so him inhabiting a character. But Black Trash, the autobiography of Kirk Jones was like a direct lineage from someone who wanted to embody themselves and put show a little bit of a different flavor and then as everybody knows like sticky fingers onyx they from queens able to like more or less a street hop grab you by the throat slam you on the ground sort of group and sticky to me growing up was always like the buster rhymes of the crew like you his voice was crazy his his verses always just took your attention away from whatever was going on I'm thinking of the joint that was like the remix with him and DMX on it, and you were just wondering who had the best verse between those two. And uh, when Black Trash came out, I was like maybe a, a year or so out of high school. Or no, I wasn't out of high school yet. I, I hadn't graduated from high school. And uh, it was just a crazy storyline, and it just made people think, for me, a little bit differently about Sticky, because you know, you know him from Honest, you know him as like this ultra super thug type rapper but like it showed a lot of nuance to create this album and unpacking it revisiting it was a was a took me back to my childhood but then it's also like man i don't know if this album would be able to get away with certain things in in today's culture but i'm ready to go through and see if we can cut it down to 10 yeah it definitely is time stamped by a lot of content that perhaps would not hold up to the type of scrutiny that we offer now through a modern <laughs> lens. Uh, so you just said that with such uh you dance you dance that real well. 
Well, I got to dance now because we're going to really get tangled in the weeds as we go through this album. But let's let's talk about it first and foremost. As uh, as our guest said, this is a very well executed, I think, concept album. And there really aren't that many concept albums that stick the landing as much as Black Trash does and did. This is an album. uh, It was his first solo album. It was released on May 22nd, 2001 uh, through Universal had a few singles. Um, As you were talking about, it was definitely uh, riding on the success and the buzz that Onyx had as a group. They obviously had made a lot of noise earlier in the 90s in their career, and then they had a bit of a resurgence in the whole uh, Def Jam survival of the Illist uh, era. Sticky was kind of poised to be, I think, a major threat, a major figure And I think in some circles, he certainly is. But you look at the grandiosity that he was aiming for with a project like this. And I don't know if he necessarily achieved it with this, but I don't think that that's to any detriment of the work itself. You know, I was reading up on this album. Sticky almost signed to Aftermath uh, as an artist. And look, we can do the hip hop what if now and be like, Maybe that would have resulted in greater success, or maybe that would have resulted in a shelved album that never would have seen the light of day. But this is definitely an album that doesn't feel super far removed from the aftermath aesthetic and a lot of the production. And like again, that grandiosity definitely makes me feel like, oh, I could have seen this be like as big as an Eminem album, as big as a Dre album, just in terms of what it was aiming for. I bought this album probably around the time that it came out. It's interesting to me because while I always liked Onyx, I wasn't a buy all their records fan. I was more of a casual fan. But I think when I just heard about the fact that there was an album that was conceptual and that he was really going so deep into it, I think I bought it like sight unseen. This wasn't a record that I heard the single first and then I bought it. It was more so hearing about the conceit of this album and then buying it at the time that it was released. Midas, do you have any, you know, insight or personal experience with this record? Yeah, I mean, my high school days of like what what we were really anticipating and what we were into was ill because, you know, um, I went to high school in Orlando, Florida, and we got a lot of transplants from different parts of the country in Orlando, Florida. You know, New York, people from up north moved to Orlando and People from Miami move up and people from, the you know, like we've got, you could somebody, it's not like growing a school in D.C. where a lot of people in your, in your school is from the area. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people is from everywhere. So there'd be real spirited conversation about what's coming up and what, what we're interested in and who likes what and all that's trash or whatever. And I remember the Sticky album was really like, there was a lot of what the fuck with this album. I remember there being a big excitement about Sticky Fingers having an album, but like, a, what is this? Like, what kind of album is this? And like, what's he doing? Like, what? Wow, this is this is kind of bugged out because to your earlier point, man, we was like, all right, Onyx, you know? And this is as much of a departure from Onyx as you could get. Uh, you know, shout out to Sticky, man. Sticky's got a career of not playing by the book. Everything he's ever done has been like, Oh, did you hear what Sticky Fingers is doing? Like, it's it's all it's nothing like, yeah, he's doing what we thought he was gonna do. Like, it's always bugged out. You know what I'm saying? So like, this this is no different. 
Think of how crazy it's got to be, especially in the era when this album drops. Think of how crazy it's got to be to, like, get your solo deal off the strength of your platinum albums before that and be like, yeah, so I'm going to do, like, a whole character-driven narrative joint, and I'm not going to rap all crazy like I do. <laughs> like, it's just, like, wait, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so, it's so bananas that that's the direction that he chose to go for his first, and what, basically only solo album? Uh, you know, like, it's it's insane to think about. Uh, but it, we were really excited for it to come out, I remember, and um, real bugged out by it when it came out. Yeah, Interesting tidbits about this album. I had mentioned earlier that at one point he was talking about signing with Aftermath. The internet research says that the idea to do this conceptual, you know, narrative was actually put together by Sticky and Dre. And uh, he basically um, was given, he was shopping another artist named X1 who appears on this album at the time. And uh, he had a deal to go to Aftermath, but Universal wound up giving him an $800,000 advance whereas uh, Aftermath was only offering $500,000. So he weighed his options and he went with uh, Universal for the $300,000 difference. And he said, I always wonder what would have happened if I had signed with Dre instead of Universal. But that $300,000 difference was the money that I used to buy my mother, the first house that she ever owned in her entire life. So I would never change that. Another interesting tidbit about this record is that uh, he apparently wrote all the guest verses except for Cannabis's verse, which, again, this is a very impressive piece of work. This is this is very impressive in terms of the vision and the scope and how he was able to execute it. And I don't think that this record gets talked about enough. And we're going to maybe find out why in this conversation and hopefully, you know, go about improving it. I was going to say we should have the caveat of letting the people know uh spoiler alert you know if you haven't heard this album and want to hear it before we go in on it please do so but you know just give me a quick spoiler alert yeah and as you do that realize that it's tough because the whole album isn't streaming in a lot of places uh it's an interesting set of circumstances there go hither to youtube uh listeners if you're looking to find the whole thing because it doesn't seem to be I didn't check title, um, but I know that on Spotify and Apple Music, it doesn't seem to all be there. Uh, so when this album came out, let's look at the uh, critical response to it. It received four mics in the source. Rolling Stone gave it three stars. Hip Hop DX, 3.5. Um, all Music gave it three. Vibe gave it 3.5. Damn, Kevito, you you wrote for a lot of these. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through these. It's like, these are all your alma maters. True, true. All Hip Hop, I used to write for their breeding ground section back in the day. Did you review records a lot or were you doing more features and interviews? By the time I got out of uh, all hip hop, I was doing more features and, and interviews for the longtime internet heads. I was, shout out to Andreas Hale. Uh, he was my my managing editor, editor-in-chief. And we created this series called Beauty and Brains on Hip Hop DX. That to me subverted the whole rationale of like the video vixen. So we were finding out how Buffy the Body was like this masterful real estate agent selling houses <laughs> and doing just coming from left to center. So, yeah, I got a chance to really do some really cool things at those places. That's amazing. So what we'd like to get into now before we dive in, what is the current mic rating using the Sources 5 mic system? Where do we rank it now and where did we rank it then? And has it changed? Kavito, what's your verdict? 
ranking it then, I would have given it a 3.5, uh, or I did give it a 3.5, I should say, because, uh, like I said, Prince Among Thieves, Prince Paul, that was the gold standard, you know, in features, having like Big Daddy Kane, Biz Markey, a litany of legends who were performing characters in this cinematic album that still holds up, you know, now anniversary 25 years later. And while Sticky was making a really great attempt at showing, one, that he can still give his hardcore fans what they want, but also show how much of a maybe a, a rapologist or a rap nerd that he is by giving people something that they couldn't expect from him or wouldn't expect from him. So 3.5 was the attempt and definitely the 0.5 for sticking the landing very well in a way that um, I'm looking forward to unpack, but I think there's a little bit of a changeover from then to now when it comes to the third act of the album. I think I'm going to go with 3.5 as well. It Again, it's commendable. You got I'm not even saying it with pity for effort, but whenever somebody does something and they do pull it off, because there's a lot of records out there that purport to be concept albums, and it doesn't really adhere to that. Now, I'm not saying that Black Trash 100% weaves that narrative, but if it doesn't, I think it comes way closer than most albums. Again, we're going to keep talking about A Prince Among Thieves. That's maybe one of the only ones that I can think of. Maybe Mr. Lift's I Phantom. Like That that one was was pretty conceptual and, and stuck to the idea of being a narrative. Um, this is no like shade, but a lot of people talk about concept albums and will throw in the Deltron 3030 album as a concept album. And my report to that or my, my response to that is always, I like that record a lot. I think it's really good. Is it really a concept album or is it just Dell kind of using a lot of scientific terms and songs? I, if you told me to like write out or draw out the story of Deltron 3030, I wouldn't actually know I wouldn't be able to do it. You know what I mean? So I'd lean further into the less just just a concept. Because to me, this is like a subgenre of a concept album, right? So it's more like it's a narrative record. Because like there's a lot of to me, there's a lot of concept albums where there's just like a concept on t- like uh, MF Doom's Food is a concept album. You know what I mean? But it's but it's definitely not a narrative album. So that's kind of what I would lean on this. And in that, you probably only do have Prince Among Thieves in this one, and there might not be much more. No, I would I would agree with you on that one, too. I think uh, one that people criminally sleep on is 88 Keys, The Death of Adam. That one was like chef's kiss and uh, ramped up that whole idea of a concept narrative album. I mean, we're not really counting. And then you shoot yourself. That Was that the name of the Roots album? And then you shoot your cousin, yeah. Your cousin. That's that's not like a concept narrative, but it was like based on a concept. It's funny you bring that up because the first time that I ever went to the OK Player offices in New York, I went there and I they gave me a free copy because they were splitting offices with Decon at the time, and they gave me a copy of that '88 Keys album, and that's I still have the CD copy from uh, that promo. Yeah, uh, I was post Decon. I was there 2015, 2018. That's right. So Midas, what is your mic rating on the album as it currently stands? This is an album I would have never rated. It's a it's like an album that sits outside of rating to me. It's like a it's just like a thing. And just a quick note as I go into the rating, you know, my thought process on the rating. Pulling this album up to listen to it again showed me 
just how strange this album is to me. And when I say strange to me, as much as a narrative album as this is, I've never listened to it in order properly and never really listened to the last couple of songs. Like just got to a certain point and was like, all right, next album. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think the songs that I really like, I really like, and the songs that I don't care about, I really don't care about. And that probably puts it somewhere between a three and a three and a half for me too. All right. Well, we're going to find out if we're going to make this album better or worse by trimming it down to 10. It's the three-person vote. So it takes two to keep or two to cut. And if we don't cut them all in our first round, we'll go through a speed round to see what we lose. So first song, this is maybe one of the few albums that would warrant having a first song called Intro. I know we're very critical of that on this program, but if you're going to do it, you should do it on a narrative album. First song is the intro. My only issue with the intro, because I think the intro is great and it sets it up well. And my vote is to keep ultimately, actually, because I think it's the beginning of the narrative. Like you kind of need it there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Unless you're just going to read the fucking liner notes or some shit, you kind of need it. With that being said, it's long. Probably could have got that same point across in a much shorter, more concise intro. As as everybody who listens to our podcast knows, I hate sex sounds in rap songs because uh, it just it's just difficult, bro. Like I'm gonna put on my CD and then ah, ah, it's like, what are you listening to over there? Like it's you know, so I could do without that too. I do find it hilarious that the first word on the entire album is bitch. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> it just cracks me up for some reason. But uh I vote to keep it. I feel like you you just got to kind of have it in a narrative album. I'm going to say to let it go like a Frozen song because while the uh, the intro, the cinematic intro helps, you know, it kind of establishes like, oh, you're about what you're about to see is a cinematic telling on a journey of this rapper. To your point, it's like it could have been done differently. You could have like done like an interstitial news brief or like you can you can create the way that we're experiencing this character in a way that doesn't take up one minute and 47 seconds. And while it does uh, establish like why we don't like this character or why we should be concerned or worried about this character if they were to cross our paths, at least song two or three does the same point. It gives the same point, so I, I would cut it. Deciding vote here. My vote is to cut. I do think that there are some narrative redundancies that happen in this album, and that's definitely going to be something to consider as we take an album that is 20 songs and basically cut it in half to 10. I do also think about how expensive was it for them to clear the sample of the studio music? Like I imagine that that's not an easy, cheap ask and it doesn't sound like a replay either so probably something that universal owned yeah though i still wouldn't be surprised if they took it out of his budget they're like oh yeah we'll <laughs> give it to you for like you know a hundred thousand so here's 000. my problem with cutting this song just to throw it out there so here's my issue 
He's the man's already negotiating. We we've only got no, 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 one. Yeah. I'm I'm okay. It's a long intro. Like I'm only keeping it for narrative purposes. I want to be clear. But because now any album you put together doesn't have the intro, which is kind of weird. With that being said, the problem with the narrative nature of this album is that it's not really a narrative. It's a bunch of songs that the beginnings and outros of the songs continue the narrative. But the song is about a thing. I was listening to it today and I had this thought. I was like, this could have been an album where instead of going, I want to do this narrative album, you could have said, I have all of these song ideas and I want a way to tie them all together. (laughs) All these songs are standalone songs except State versus Kirk Jones to some extent. And uh, why? Or it might be another one or two, but really other than that, it's like not dying. Like that's just a song that could be on any random album. All the skits and talking is really the narrative of the album, less so than the songs themselves. I feel you. I'll also say that there have been times I'm sort of a maniac about getting to movies on time or early and much. I know this. Yeah. Much to the sometimes displeasure of anybody who has to deal with my anxiety about getting there early. But I have gone to some movies late and I've missed the first few minutes and I still pretty much understand what's happening. So that's my justification to cut. So Midas, uh, I'm sorry, but... No, it's all good. It's all good. But luckily those movies are like telling a story. This isn't so much. <laughs> can we Can we also add points for at least Sticky trying to play multiple roles? Love it. Yeah. Got his Eddie Murphy on real quick. He's clumping it up. Clumpy fingers. Clumpy fingers. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to move on to track number two, produced by Self. The song is called Come On. Yo, man. Shout out Sticky Figures, yo. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why you were, like, rooting for his verses when he... When yeah. He's gonna, Show stealer. Yeah. He's going to give you something that you were going to talk about, or like a line that you are going to try and sneak out if you were one of those internet uh, rap blog type lyrical war writers where you... <laughs> Type battle or whatever you try. Yeah, to, oh yeah, I remember all that. Yeah, you try to get one of those lines and it'd be like key Ooh. styles, key style yeah, yeah, yeah. styles, <laughs> key styler. <laughs> you were a key styler trying to sneak sticky figure lyrics into your raps. This show why one of the one of the stand like he was a standout with Onyx because you know high adrenaline raps giving people like very visual lascivious references to pull from. And uh, if we're, if we're going to go into the voting, I'd still keep it. It's like that in place of the intro finds its way of uh, presenting the Black Trash character or Kirk Jones character in a way that you know, okay, he's he's going to be very ultra across the board when it comes to this brand of music. It's a outstanding keep to me. It's a great opening record in terms of the energy and the feel. And Sticky Fingers was... And is just incredible. He's He's got the pen of like a punchline rapper, but the delivery and the, I think, the 
than just the artistry that also transcends from that. He's a good writer, but he's also a great MC. Whereas there are some rappers who are great writers, funny writers, poisonous pen type writers, not the not the rapper, but you know, the style. But he's he sells it vocally. So yeah, this is an automatic without a doubt keep for me. Yeah. Keep for me too. Sticky's a super MC, but not just to your point, not just a super MC, super writer. I mean, the guy's written movies, the guy's written TV shows, the guy's, you know, uh, he's got a, a hip opera where every line in the movie is rapping that he wrote from scratch. And it's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hilarious. It's one of the great rap hood movies of all time, uh, in my opinion. I love it. But Sticky has this ability to be a character even in if you go back to the Onyx albums, he's a character on the Onyx albums. You know what I'm saying? So, like, this is one of the best MCs of all time. He's got a name that's not going to come up in all those conversations, but it should. It should. He can do whatever that any of these MCs or whatever. And then what I always have as a barometer of how ill of an MC is, is, all right, so if you're doing, like, a all-time great rap song, with all the greats on it, or ten of the greats, let's say. Who wants to rap after Sticky? You could, you could, you could name your ten rappers and put Sticky in that ten. Let's say you wanted to, and then be like, all right, so it's a, it's a, it's a posse cut. Who goes after Sticky? And like, you know, it's hard, man. That point is like that was, That's why that uh, remix record on Onyx with him and DMX. With DMX? conversation points like they they matching each other's energy they matching each other's vitriol it's like i know no one wants to come after those two but between those two who's one and who's two on the mic if you yeah it's tough yeah could you imagine sticky that's a that's a ill uh alternate universe is sticky just is a solo artist from the gate and is and is never in onyx i could see a world in which he has appeal like DMX, you know what I'm saying, and 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 that type of thing. So, yeah. But anyway, Big Keep sets it off properly. All right, we're gonna move on to track number three, featuring Black Child. The song is "My Dogs Is My Guns," produced by Buddha, Joe Naughty, and Shamelo. My dogs is my guns. They attack any nigga that comes or any nigga that runs. If my clock's on safe, that means my dog on a leash. Twenty shells in the clip, each bullet's a teeth. Oh my god. He's such a good writer. Okay, spoiler alert. This whole episode is going to be me reacting to he's such a great writer, but he's also <laughs> such a great rapper. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he's yeah. and he's really good at sticking to a theme. Like he's like, really okay, good. My, my my dogs is my guns. Canine references through the whole song in a way that never feels tired or boring. I really, really like this song. That said, we got to keep 10. And for the redundancy, I think that this one has got to go because it isn't really saying anything different than the previous song did. And even beyond that, I think that there are other songs that I prefer to this. There's at least nine more that I prefer to this song. So 
I know I just sang the hell out of the praises of this song, but I am voting to cut it. But it's still dope. I'll listen to it on the on the companion burnt CDR version in, in the alternate universe where this isn't on the album. I can't cut it. My dogs is my guns is 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 one of my favorite joints on the record. But it's also it's also a big illumination of the point that I know you were saying like it kind of treads similar water, but each one of these songs is a standalone concept song. Like if I were writing an album, especially the way I used to write albums back in my AU days. I would have a song like My Dogs Is My Guns as a song on the album. Like, yo, you know what? I'm going to do this crazy concept song about my guns being dogs. And I'm going to flip the, I'm going to, you know, like, it's how Tupac did, you know, me and my girlfriend. You got one song like that on the record. Or Nas, the gun song. Like, you got one song like that on record. Sticky just did an album of 13 of those songs instead of of doing one song. You know what I'm saying? So... Come On to me is probably the previous song. It's probably the only regular rap song on the whole album. And then everything else is one-offs of these songs held together by a narrative. You know what I mean? So, um, but this is one of my favorites of the, of him doing it. Probably because I like the beat. I think the beat does a lot for me in this one. Shout out to one of my favorite rap names of all time, Black Child, which I think is, uh, a phenomenal rap name that should stand on the Pantheon, but uh, as a feature on here, but nah, I, I'm going to vote to keep. So, yeah, yeah. When I was younger, when I first heard this album, I thought that that was a it was concept. I thought it was something like, you know, again, to the point he managed to find different ways to structure his gun as a, as a canine and, uh, my dogs is my guns is like one of those songs where you the hook was sing songy, you know. My dogs is my God. like you can just hear it coming out the speaker and catches your ear. But I'm treating this more like a a movie review than an album review. It doesn't necessarily change anything from come on to this point. It's it's like even though we cut intro. Come on is supposed to be like his kick in the door moment anyway. And so this doesn't feel like he's coming in the door and blasting anybody. He's more like telling you to not come close because he will blast you. And that point makes me feel like it's somebody, it's like akin to like Kang and Ant-Man. It's like the threat is supposed to be there, but it doesn't get actualized all the way. And so I I would uh, cut it just for the sake of that. It's redundant, like earlier mentioned, and that, I was never a really big Black Child fan. So I felt like even the collaboration felt a bit forced and maybe he couldn't find anybody else from his crew to take that role. But maybe a hot dog and like a Metro <laughs> card got Black Child to come into to the studio to do this. And it just didn't, it fell flat. Now listening to it uh, some 20 plus years later. Well, that means that we are taking the dog and we're putting the dog down. It's a sad day. Don't tell PETA. But we're going to move on to uh, track number four, produced by Self. It is a song we brought up earlier. It's Not Dying. If it wasn't for cool, huh? Hip-hop wouldn't have been created. That's bullshit. I would have created it 10 years later. Niggas always acting up till the guns is heard. I don't want to hear you pop shit now. Love's the word. No, you rapper, nigga. What? That's all you got? Think you a thug? I hear you doing songs with Brock. Got a bullet in my stomach. Doctor scared to remove it. And 25 stitches above my dick. That's all instant keeper for me. 
if come on was that it matches that same energy it gives you the premise of like yeah whatever i'm i'm if i'm the threat you're gonna have to try really hard to stop me from doing what i want to do to you and and that encapsulates it all like from the hook to some of the lyricisms that he drops like you know even if i don't have any blood in my body i'm still still gonna come after you i'm still gonna do what i want to do and you'd be hard pressed to stop me so it's just the beat was killer it matches that same energy to come on and i say that it would be one to stay this song has lived rent free in my head for the last 20 years like I, I'm, I'm like anytime i've encountered any situations like I've, I've had some health things that have happened you know over the last 20 years i've had times where like i wasn't feeling great or maybe like you know i felt like i was defeated this song often will just come into my head and it's like motivation music i'm not dealing with any of the situations that he's talking about in the in the song but it has been like a personal motivational anthem i love the beat Again, I'm going to sound like a broken record on this episode, just singing the praises of Sticky's vocals, you know, everything he contributes as a writer and a rapper. It's a keep for me. It's another keep for me. Again, to me, the album is super front loaded. That's why I kept everything so far, because I think everything in the beginning, you know, personally, I think everything in the beginning of this record is crazy. Another dope concept. And what I'll tell you from a writing standpoint, even though this might sound like I'm going to actually hate on his writing a little bit, which I don't mean it too. But the hardest thing about what he's doing is the concept itself. Once he's got the concept, the bars themselves, wrapped by anybody else, might not hit the same way. It's just he can get a point across like no other. He has conviction. He has, he has such conviction that, yeah, he sells it. Yeah, he can sell anything because the raps the raps you know i was listening to it earlier today in preparation for this and i'm like there's actually a lot of lines on this on this album that are kind of like oh that's a pretty simple simple thing there but he don't say it simple he says it like yo <laughs> you know what i'm saying and it, it's <laughs> it's just you just feel it the way it comes out of him and like not dying is one of those ones where it's like once he grabbed the concept the rap probably wrote itself more or less. But it's amazing um, as a whole product. You know what I mean? And then the beat's crazy. I don't really know too much about self as a producer, but that's a crazy joint. And uh, it's a keep. Yeah, just one one thing to note, like the whole thank you a thug, have you doing songs for Pac, is, is not an easy threat to have convincingly conveyed. Like <laughs> people, especially around that time, we're still, it feels like we're moving away from almost this hardcore gangster rap and getting ready to get into the, what do you want to call it, like the sing-song raps that were more popularized. So people were trying to catch up at that time once it shifted. So having a line that makes you kind of reconsider who you're going to approach in this in this case with Kurt Jones, have you like reconsider if you're going to have issues with this person or not? That's a nice line to to include. Yeah. Well, we're keeping it. We're moving on to track number five. It's Kirk Jones' Conscience. Two weeks since Sammy shot me, you know? He shot me five times in front of the club. <laughs> uh, obviously, I lived, he didn't, you know? Shit. They called me Crazy Kirk after that. You know, well, anyway. I'm going to cut it. It's one of those skits that I wish was attached to the song before it, and then it would have just been fine. But uh, 
for the sake of organizing a 10-track album that is strong all the way through it's a cut. I'm going to agree with that, cutting it because, like, so, and in, in come on, and we'll even, like, overlook My Dogs Is My Guns because it's not really explained in that song what is being discussed by his consciousness in terms of being shot and taking people's girl and whatnot, but and not dying, you can at least presume that there was an attempted uh an attempt at violence on him. So when his conscience is talking, you're kind of like, wait, wait, somebody tried to do what to you? And it's left kind of you're in the dark a little bit about you're not even knowing that he was in a club and it's just not set up well enough structurally in terms of an original version of the album and how we're cutting it, it just feels like a, a point of reference that you should have put on before the song is mentioned before. So I would, I would cut it. It's really cool to see how Omar Epps has been instrumental in different parts of hip hop's history. But this was one where it felt like uh, we needed somebody who I know can, can give that same energy, but in a true acting form and he plays it well. It just in this, in this version, it just doesn't seem like it applies to the sequence. Yeah, uh, it's a cut. The music certainly isn't helping either. There might be a world in which we have these little breaks from the songs where it feels a little bit more engaging, but having this sort of slow drum beat, it instantly triggers my skip reflex. Like, there's, there, there's nothing that I'm enjoying about this. Also... For an album that is purported to be a narrative album, it's a little lazy to have skits where it's the person's conscience and basically just saying what, <laughs> giving you like the inside track. It's, it's, I always think of my, one of my favorite movies adaptation is, uh, is a Charlie Kaufman, uh, film. And, um, uh, Nicolas Cage is the uh, protagonist of the film and he goes to a writing workshop from this guru and the and the guy is giving this class it's it's brian cox who uh played the um uh you know was in succession and he's he's going into this like whole screed and and tearing apart the class about how like you know how hard it is to be a writer and you really have to give your all to it and then nicholas cage as his character throughout the whole movie has a voiceover moment where he's thinking to himself and talking about what is happening in the scene. And then it goes back to Brian Cox on the stage. He says, and God forbid you ever do a fucking voiceover in a, in your, in your script. That is lazy. Like that is terrible. That is the easy way out. The Nicholas Cage just gets quiet. Um, yeah. Voiceovers are cheating. I think. I wouldn't be shocked if this was a album of track ideas that the rest came together because it's not really a narrative. <laughs> it's not. They're just concept songs. And the skits are the narrative. That's why when I was listening to this earlier, I was thinking to myself, this is going to be really fucking hard to cut if we're going to keep the story. Because once you start cutting the skits, the story dies. There is no story. The story's in the skits. Like all the shit you was just saying about, I don't even know none of that shit happened in the album. Where did that shit happen? Like, he's talking about the, I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Because <laughs> he's still talking about what? Because all I know is concept song, concept song, concept song. So it's a really strange album in that way uh, to me. But uh, like, again, I agree, we should cut it, but we're, we cut we cut a certain a couple things and then it's not a narrative album anymore. It's just a concept album. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's going to be tough to divorce ourselves from the idea of knowing that it is a concept album. We we really need to make these 10 songs and then play them for somebody who's never heard this album ever and be like, what is this album about? What is the story? (laughs) (laughs) Have somebody do a... All right, so write us an email about what this album is about if you've just heard it for the first time now. I think they would be like, I really... We'll wait when we get to the end, but basically so far if we're in like the first act of the album, it's giving... I'm not quite sure. There's a <laughs> character named Kurt. He's uh, a, not afraid of dying. He's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> he, he's obsessed with guns. He, if he wants to, if you if you want to come at him, you're just going to say, "Come on!" So <laughs> this is the best album for all of our listeners who download podcasts, skip to the very end of the podcast first, <laughs> listen to the 10 songs, <laughs> because this isn't going to work if you have listened to the songs that we cut, too. We need you to go in completely blind. If you're listening to this, find a friend who doesn't listen to this podcast, present them a playlist of this podcast, and uh, we'll leave instructions in the notes. Peace, peace. Hey, yo, this is Midas the Beast, man. Make sure you go check out all the new music I got out in the world right now, man. There's a couple of projects that's sitting out there that I really would love for you guys to go check out if you're a supporter of the stuff that I do. And the Last of the Mohicans, featuring production by Fourth Disciple, Oh No, Dirty Digs, Azarism, and a whole bunch of other heads. It's crazy. Make sure you go check that out. It's got features from Planet Asia and a couple of other heads that's real, that's real wild that you might want to check out. As well as me and the aforementioned Planet Asia dropped an album called And One Rap Shit. That's real crazy. Features terminology, features Tri-State, you know, got production from Sharp and Deli Digger and Dirty Digs. And it's just a real crazy record. So please, if y'all love the, the, the stuff that we do here on the podcast, make sure you go check out the music too. And One Rap Shit, uh, Midas the Beast and Planet Asia and The Last of the Mohicans which is a Midas the Beast album. Peace, 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 peace. Uh, We're going to move on to the next song on this album. It's track six, produced by Rock Wilder. It's Money Talks featuring Raekwon. See the gun wound went down for you. Who ran up in the house to court one from here and for who? When niggas was ready to murder me, you stayed up in the crib like a bitch looking ill and it's hurting me. Oh, I got stabbed for you. Yo, shot up the ad for you. Just stop blowing the caps for you. Oh, chill, some niggas caught crabs for you. Holding them garbage bags for you. Ill, blowing the bags for you. I'm the evil. I don't grow on trees. I'm called by different names. Chips, Skrilla, Cream, and I'm always green. Do you think Sticky Fingers channeled his Raekwon energy for this, or is Raekwon rapping what seems like a sticky penned chorus on this? That sounds like a Raekwon chorus to me. I would be shocked, honestly, if Ray didn't write that chorus himself. Uh, me knowing Raekwon's pen and how that pen moves. The way, like, the, 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 the telltale giveaway is Looking ill at his Urkabee. That's Raekwon, bro. Like, that's that's the way Raekwon raps me. So I'd be shocked. But uh, this is a major keep for me. I do think it's a funny concept. Like, again, he doesn't even, to be fake critical of the way the concepts play out, he doesn't even, like, switch up how he does each concept. They're all done exactly the same way. 
you know, all the ones that are kind of like that. My dogs is my guns, not dying, money talks. They're all written the exact same way. Doesn't make them any less good as standalone songs. Is kind of tough when you're hearing them back to back to back. Uh, Cause you're like, dang, I kind of just heard that same way a song is put together. You know what I'm saying? But you mean in terms of coming up with a motif and then really hammering in what the song is about? Is that what you're referring to? A, a little bit, but I'm more referring to just like how the bars are put together. It's the same way of hitting the concept. So like you've got a concept and then you you execute it. Like it'd be like if like, okay, so Nas has the gun song. It'd be like if Nas then did a song about like whatever, but then he's that. And then like, it's done the same way as, as the gun song. You know what I'm saying? Like luckily through the, through Nas's career of doing concept records, they're very different. All the concept records, right? Sticky. It's really all the same, the way that it's done. It's that one way is done really well. So that's where you can't, really hate on it too much but i'm gonna push back on that though i don't really think at least you know maybe in other ways but there aren't any other songs on this album where he does a first person personification of an inanimate object or anything i mean i don't know if i'm being too literal with what you're saying here but a little bit because i'm not so much saying that he's doing the exact same concept i'm i'm actually more specifically talking about like how he's writing the bars like it's kind of hard to explain, but like if I were to if I were to sit down and write this write those three songs that I just kind of named, like those songs are kind of on autopilot cuz I just wrote one just like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I kind of know how I'm doing. And even if the the motif is a little bit different, like it's this is personification and maybe this one isn't, the execution's very similar. You know what I'm saying? Even in the even in the the writing. If we were to like actually sit down and like play the songs, I could point it, I could point it stuff out to you pretty easy. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I would would go on that one. But I would keep it. It's this th- I know I sound like I'm not keeping it. I love this song. <laughs> Money Talks one of my favorite songs on the record. You know, I'm a Raekwon stan. Hard fetch for me to cut anything that Raekwon is on, but uh even still, it's a it's a it's a it's a dope song. And he he executes well. Every song as a standalone song, like if any of these songs were just a random Sticky Fingers single that just popped up on streaming services, you'd be like, yo, this shit is fucking crazy. But it it lands different when you hear a whole album of concept songs. It kind of plays a little bit different. But I, I'm I'm going to add to it by saying, like, consider this like the first act, right? So if we're, we're taking the character as someone who's uh, struggling or at least having to do by do by any means to get ahead, then money makes sense that this is kind of the follow through and the sequencing. Like you want them to to now have their motivation established and money does a great job at that with Raekwon providing the context as to the things that you gotta do to get it and for who, like or for why or for why. And and with sticky, I guess with sticky giving you kind of those motifs of where what am I the guessing game that he's given us it's like it's you already put the answer in the title so it would have been better kind of if we're going to speak to the whole narrative for him to have maybe changed the title to give the listener so what you're saying is that it's basically said if I because I'm a gun it's just like I'm a I'm a gun <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm a gun. I'm I'm uh what else you got on here? I'm a I'm a gun. 
maybe the art form has advanced. Maybe it's also having more trust and faith in the audience. That has long been a gripe that I've had. Uh, Fonte and I talked about it when he was on the questions, uh, you know, a few years back that I was like, you don't have to spell it out for us, Nas. We get it. Have a little faith in us. I promise you most of us will catch on. We didn't need that hand-holding in the intro. But this was a time where maybe maybe there, were, there wasn't as much faith in the audience to be able to get it. Maybe they had to underline the point. Or, or it could have been like, you know, he really wants to make sure the album needs to make sure that it hits the target demo or that it gets the return of investment that was advanced to him. So I, maybe not a lot of creative leaps were made to make sure that you didn't want to fumble in any place where they could point it out. But it's a key for me. Again, to Midas's point, like Raekwon is it's one of the best lyricists of all times. And any track that they're on is kind of hard to be ignored. And so I'm surprised because I don't really remember if there were any videos released from this project. There was for, um, for I believe, Get It Up had a video. Okay. I, I wouldn't have chosen that as like my visual to kind of companion piece this album. Like Money would have been great just because you could imagine like Raekwon in, a, in like a just trunk jewels, standing in the corner, kind of being the, the narrator throughout the video. Letting Sticky as the character kind of outplay like what he was doing. So I, it's still a key for me, but you know, to the point I can understand why it's like if we we're going to run this down, it's like, okay, guns, dogs, money, check. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most like critical uh, nitpicking uh, keep that we've ever done on the show. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep it. Um, I like this song. Uh, I just think it it feels good. Production is great. Doesn't scream like Rock Wilder beat per se. It, it, I think it very much meets the characters and the aesthetic, uh, the vibe of the song uh, where it's at. Um, I don't really have much else to add. This is a keep for me. I just, I've, I've always enjoyed this record. And it's cool to have the first real eyebrow raising feature, having Ray on the hook is just a really good look for the song and for the album. So it's a keep. We're going to move on to track number seven, produced by DJ Scratch. It's Y, featuring Still Living and X1. I mean, despite having one of my least favorite things that ever happens in any genre of music where the main melody just copies one of the instruments, <laughs> you know, we live a lot like it's just following the bouncing ball of that little guitar or like keyboard patch. This is a keep for me. This is a narrative song. This is not a song that stands on its own in terms of just being, oh, we'll just take this and we'll build a concept album around it. This is a conversation. I always enjoy any song that seamlessly weaves together different uh, narrators, different MCs. I really like it as a follow-up to Money Talks as well. It seems like if Money Talks was shot 
you know, if we're filming this film on this block and it's raining, why is on the same day that they shot it, it's right around the corner. It's 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 just like a block over, and it doesn't feel redundant to me. It feels like a natural extension of what was done on the previous song. It's a key. Yeah, it, it's a key for me as well. I would do a callback to a Prince Among Thieves, Among Thieves, where the video shot for it is like in a it's like a movie trailer, but it features like four or five songs that are on the album. And from Money Talks to Why, this mirrors that sort of energy. And plus, you know, there's a a nice diatribe between other voices. So it's not just your consciousness that we don't really have any connection to. It's not like someone who's representing kind of a metaphor, like in My Dogs and My Guns. This is like Kurt interacting in the world with people who have uh, stakes and, and dreams and hosts like themselves. And so even when the character is like expressing how he feels duped by his friend who has gotten out of jail and is trying to find a way to go after more money or get some money, it's like you really feel that the weight of it on his friend's shoulders, like, damn, I was about to go see my kid and my wife and now I'm stuck in this situation that I can't get out of. And, you know, again, it's just... It, takes a huge left turn for why uh, dealing with Kurt Jones is a risk to your health. But for this, it just it just made sure that like tie in those loose threads that this this album for the characters needed to be spotlighted on. So you know why Kurt Jones is such a detriment to your health. Yeah, I'm gonna go and and say that this is this is gonna fuck y'all up. This is my favorite song in the album. Uh over which I know what everybody's favorite song on the album is. But why this song is my favorite album on, or favorite song on the album, it's the song that throughout my years of knowing this album has gotten the most burnt by far. The other song's not so e- not as easy to listen to as this song is. Like I have to like, all right, I'm putting this on now. Like that's, that's what I'm about to, that's the experience I'm about to have. But this is a, it's a, it's a dope narrative concept song that is, also easy to listen to with a singable hook. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it kind of hits like kind of all like areas that that you can kind of hit. Like dope concept, dope lyrics, easy hook, cool beat. Like it's all the things, you know what I'm saying? Both performances are great, like very believable. Like I would have loved to have seen this as a video or to get a video to go with this story that's told on this, on this song. Cause the song, the story is hilarious um, as well. It's funny. It's just got all the things. And yeah, even though it does the follow the bouncing ball, it's done phenomenally. You yeah. Know? It, it's great. Like, it's catchy. We all started singing it as soon as it came off. We live a life like this. We live a life like this. We live a life like, like it's just, you know what I mean? So this is, this is my shit. Like as soon as, the concept of doing this album came up like yo sticky fingers it's the first song that pops into my head recipe stacks one who is is sticky's real life brother so it it kind of oh word shows the brotherly bond or at least the friendship bond in the role of their characters portrays on this record but like it's it's unique we're talking about sticky's writing and how well he can like put these like keeping it simple basically but giving us emotion so there's a few points on this record where you're like all right you know it's like uh uh for those who haven't seen the movie belly but like it's like the scene when um Nas is at the barbershop and he's talking to AZ 
and they're having the conversation. And, and you know, A Z kind of sees over his shoulder that trouble is coming ahead. He he's like, "All right, I'm gonna see you later." And then it just instant shootout. This is a reverse. It's like his his friend doesn't see trouble coming, and they they think it's gonna be a nice walk in the park scenario. And the next thing you know, car crash, end of life, and now you're gonna face the face the central booking and more. Yeah, yeah. It also speaks to. The idea that you're talking about, you wish there had been a video for this. The concept for this was initially that they would film this and make this into a film accompaniment of the album. And I have to say that in addition to all the praises that we're singing on the emceeing and the writing on this record, this is a song where even the way that it's delivered is very cinematic. It is acting. It's expressive. He's like, put that cigarette out. Oh, what? You don't smoke no more? Like, it's really, it. it's loaded with a lot of chops, acting chops. And I, I know that that wasn't, you know, a foreign territory for Sticky by this point. Um, and it really shows. Like, he was actually really able to make something that a lot of people will say something is cinematic. And I think it's an overturned use, you know, an overturn or overused term, rather. Like, oh, yeah, this movie, this album is a movie. It's a movie. This is a movie. It's a movie. When it hits those marks, anyway. It it would be a movie that has a lot of scenes that are just about guns and then just about dogs and then just about money. But yeah, it it does a good job. So we're keeping that. We're going to move on to the next song. It is track number eight, produced by Self and Sticky Fingers. The song is called Oh My God. Must be the drugs I'm high. And if you are, why we born if we live to die? Is there life after death? What will we be for birth? Why is this whole earth plagued and cursed? It's killing a sin. Is it like one of the planets? Is adultery wrong? Did you write the Ten Commandments? My son, one question at a time. We were never born and we will never die. In the essence, there's no such thing as death. How could I write commandments and not have them kept? The soul is eternal. You just change form. Then you come back with a new face on. You cannot limit love unless you lack understanding. To answer you, yes, there is life on other planets. The future is a mystery. The past is history. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Life is so simple unless you make it. That was the first time that I ever heard that parable, and I've used it ever since. The future is a... Yeah. 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 I use it all the time, and this was this was the birth of that for me. I, I, oh, man, I love this song. So right quick, I'll hop in. This is a keep. Shout out to to all the joints produced by Self. Have like a... Like, I kind of wish Self would have produced the whole album. It would have given it more of a cohesive sound. Not that it's not a cohesive sound, but it would have given it even more of a cohesive sound because a lot of his beats fit like Tetris right into each other. Like this one and Not Dying have a lot of similar elements to them, but not to make it like sound like it's the same beat. So shout out to that. Love the back and forth with God. It's it's This was a big keep for me. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to say cut it. If we're going from the end of why, it just really feels like we're going to God through death, through the brother or through the the friend because he's he's passing on, not necessarily that Kirk Jones needs to talk to God. And I do appreciate some of the questions that were asked through it. It gave the younger version of me, the black child version of me, a, a lot of questions to be like, all right, well, yeah, why, why don't we, you know, you're testing your, coming into your own and this is one of those songs that kind of give you questions to ask. But the other parts of cutting it is that I think this was this was somebody who again we talked about DMX earlier, but was inspired by some of those records that X did that 
those are Emmy Award, Oscar Award winning performances if we're going to go that route. And this doesn't uh, this doesn't add up. So I, I would cut it. Not that I don't like the record where it stands, but I just feel like it doesn't measure up. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to compare it to the DMX song, The Convo, I believe is what it's called, on the first DMX album where he's talking to God, I think that the DMX song is a much better record in every way. But having said that, I do really enjoy this. I thought it was, this is definitely a song that as now I'm older and wiser, it seems less deep to me than I felt it was when I first heard it. Uh, It was, yeah, it was definitely like something that I was like, yo, this is crazy. But a lot of these parables now that I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, this is almost, this is kind of like bumper sticker philosophy. (laughs) Like Everything on here that we've gone through so far, put uh, why to the side. All the rest of these songs are the same song. And when I say the same song, it's very surface level of attacking this, 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 this subject. Like, it's just right here. This is a mainstream record. This is, this is, even though this is creatively done, this does not go into the depths of even the writing that was done before and around this time. There were records that were going deeper and getting more heady. This is not that. This is, this is a, this is a movie that would have come out through Universal and would have had a big star. This is not an indie flick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Correct. Yeah. But the thing is, the thing about it is, like, going back to the Y hook, right? I don't think he was trying to <laughs> do the deepest thing ever on this album. He's trying to make it easy to understand and easy to follow and easy to be. So it's all very surface level, but it's not for the the guy who wants the indie movie and all the deepest the deepest philosophy of all time like it's not for that and what sells everything what allows it to be more amazing than kind of what it is if you were to strip away things is sticky himself as a deliverer of the content you know like he can deliver the content so amazingly that even something that's kind of bland is kind of ill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's to me that's the 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 jewel of this album is that it's like a it's like a dish that you take a bite of it and you're like, "Fuck, this tastes really fucking good." Yo, like, what'd you season this with? And it's like, "Oh, I didn't put seasoning on it." <laughs> and you're like, "I taste the salt and pepper. There's no salt and pepper. It's it's right out the pack." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of what this album is uh for me. My vote is to keep it. I, I do like this record, and I understand your point, Kavito, that it's like maybe it, it treads a little bit in the same space, but I think for me there's enough of a distinction. Why is a little more existential questioning, and then this is a direct conversation that he's having with a higher power being, and I love the sample. It's been used a few times uh, over the years, but it just does have a very kind of CD or I don't know CD, but again, this is this is the raining on a New York block section of the album. It's all it's all like different sides of the same block. Yeah, if I were the director for this, I would again. I still would cut it, but like how why is framing his character as someone who's lost somebody that would my but that would be like the sonic motif, like that that beat would be playing in terms of why and maybe hearing. Hearing the uh, the the chorus in the background, like if you could talk to God, what would you say? And then we go into the next track, as opposed to like going, kind of barreling into more about this conversation. Yeah. All right. So we're keeping it. We're moving on to track number nine. 
State versus Kirk Jones featuring Rod Digger, Cannabis, Superb, Red Man, Scarred for Life, and guess who? Produced by Knotts. Yeah, State versus Kirk Jones, Judge Battle now residing, got a case of armed robbery that ended up in violence, maximum sentence, life in jail's what you're facing, prosecution said it with your opening statement. Your Honor, before we get started, I'd like to give my condolences to the family of the dearly departed, Tyrone survived by his mother Barbara, his two-year-old daughter Tawana, and the baby's mama son. I'm sorry for the outburst, Your Honor. I have an original copy of the police report. January the 4th, the day the Kirk Jones got caught. I can see why Cannabis wanted to write his verse. Because he wanted, he wanted to add a little extra layer of description that might not have came had it been just written by Sticky. No, no shots to the writing. Because again, this is my, this is like the, the, the crux of the movie where you're like, okay, what's going to happen now? I can see why cannabis wanted to set the, the set the stage, so to speak. It's an instant keep. It's stuff. It's something that the lineup is impressive. You know, you got Rod Digger, you got Cannabis, you got Redman, who's who's in my Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, Knotts produced this, giving it like a real a, a real sound bed for people to play on. And like, uh, does anybody know the year that Carmen the Hip Hopper came out? Was that also around this time? 2001, same year. Same year. Yeah, it feels like if if uh, this is something that could live in that that sort of existence and and be still like a talked about scene to this day. It gives me uh, Lyricist Lounge Show vibes as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, his... And this is where it's, it's crazy. His, his rap movie does this exact album, but as a movie. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, have you seen it? Nah, I never seen it. Oh man, have you seen it, Sean? No. What What is the movie? Oh man, it is called A Day in the Life. <laughs> Go figure. But every word spoken in the movie is a rap. Really? Like every word. Oh, and it's it's him. It's it's Omar him, Bokeem Woodbine, Michael Rappaport, Omar Epps, Makai Fife, Fredro, Corrupt Tretch. Like, and it's it's a musical. Like he's rapping every word. It's hilarious. And like when I first seen it, I was like, this is this is the album. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is kind of making it doing it, you know, in, in all actuality. So I'm obviously gonna keep this couple quick notes. Perfect casting. Shout out to uh, Sticky for not just grabbing the popular rappers of the day to do all the features on this record, but specifically the features on this song. Like, he really was like, I need this voice for this. I need this voice for this. The fact that he went and pulled Lord Superb lets me know (laughs) that he's on it. Like, that's why I can't hate so much on him having Black Child, because he also went and got Lord Superb. Like, he was looking beneath the surface. Yeah, I was just, like, blown away by that. And Lord Superb's voice is the perfect voice for this song. Like, I, I'm, I'd am i be shocked if he wrote Lord Superb's part, too. Hmm. Because that's Lord Superb, bro. Like, I've heard this man rap a thousand times. Like, well, I want to say, like, I feel like Sticky is, he's, uh, He's an anomaly because you would see him on the surface and be like, oh, man, he's just about guns and, and butter, basically. But like, no, he's he's probably like a real staunch rap nerd. Oh, I'm sure. Like 
pulling these voices together is probably what's been circling in the brain at that time to like make his quote unquote independent film or his, his cinematic outing because it's like okay I can hear writing Lord Superb. Yeah, he he killed that, bro. He killed that. Oh, he killed Tyro. I saw everything. Like that's the voice. <laughs> Right, which is a great contrast to how dense and packed and intricate the cannabis verses beforehand to have it get more conversational. It's amazing because cannabis is the lawyer. So, of course, he's well composed. He's putting it together. And then the, yeah, he killed Tyrone. I saw everything. <laughs> like, it's a civilian. The way that, that Sticky has demonstrated how great he is at everything on this record to up to this point and throughout, it wouldn't surprise me if he really did get in the heads of the other people that he was writing for. And but but I, I also feel your point. This is a keep for me. It it's it's a great song. It is sort of very literally the centerpiece of the album. And figuratively, it's just a great way of doing the best of what you can do with this format. I want to spin this off and maybe we'll we'll make this a Patreon bonus right here because this reminds me of this. Uh, what do you guys think about Hamilton? Hey, remember when I mentioned that there were Patreon exclusives out there for you? Well, this is one of those moments. Hamilton Talk and more over at the Patreon. So be sure to subscribe, not just to get those extra nuggets, but also to show your support to this show, which you ostensibly receive every week for free. I'm just saying. Patreon.com slash The Questions Hip Hop. Okay, now let's get back to the show. All right, so we're moving on to track number 10. It is another Omar Epps featuring interlude. It's the Kirk Jones Conscience 2. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Can't fuck with this shit right here, man. Nigga, nigga locked down again, you know what I'm saying? God damn, what the fuck? This nigga Bruce, man. Dreaming about this nigga right here, man. This nigga, I'm sorry, son. I ain't even mean that shit. I had to get that dodo, you know what I mean? Nigga fucked up right now, man. I'm back where I started, man. Vanessa? Shit, thought that bitch was a hoe, but shit, she gonna hold it down for a nigga. Seemed like, I mean, I'm feeling that, yo, yo. Hey, Jones, what the hell you think you're doing? Get your ass back in line. Can we preemptively just say that we're going to cut all of these? <laughs> I mean, if you cut one of them, you have to cut them all. <laughs> so we're kind of already fucked. Into no, that, no, no, no. It's that. cool. But that Kirk, the, that Kirk Jones conscience number two, that's the one. <laughs> that, that's the one. <laughs> Yo, but can I just shout out the way the drums come in on this? It's like it's like 24 seconds into, into the talking and then... That's hilarious. Yeah, it's a cut for me too. I just... Again, it's almost like this could have been DVD extras, uh, you know, just to, if you want to not waste the time of the performer, put it on and that's DVD extra. But yeah, it's a cut for me. All right. We're going to go to track 11. It's Baby Brother featuring Dave Hollister, produced by DJ Scratch. Damn, we look just alike. A younger version of me, half my age and height. I played, beat you up, made you tough, taught you to fight. Put you on, showed you things, brought you your first bite. Now you in the streets making the same mistakes I did. That got me nowhere, some trapped up state in this bed. Cage like an animal, ain't a way to live. Got a baby on the way, who can follow my kid? The way you going now, I can clearly see. You either gone in the dead or in jail with me. Remember when we was young and you promised me you'd be the first and I. So I forgot about this song. <laughs> I forgot about it completely. The version that I have probably came from fucking Audio Galaxy or fucking, <laughs> you know what I mean? One of them shits. 
and it's all like numbered fucked up and all types of shit. So like, it's super funny because part of the reason why I think I love Why so much is I think Why was the first song on the version that I had. So you really didn't uh, adhere to any narrative. Nah, I, I didn't give a fuck about no narrative, nothing. I was just like, yo, what, yeah, I mean, we out here. But this song, I forgot about it when I had played the album earlier today. The song's funny as shit. It achieves a rare thing in my life. It's both intentionally funny and unintentionally funny simultaneously. Like, it's hilarious. Like, the Dave Hollister hook is fucking hilarious. And not just that he says, love you, nigga, but the fact that they went and got Dave Hollister to do the hook on this <laughs> is just hilarious in itself. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything, and then Sticky doing the voice is fucking hilarious. Like, it, it's just, it, like, okay, wait a minute. Are you now nine years old? Like, what, what, what happened? This song is fucking hilarious. And it is, it has all the elements of a song I would not want on my album, but I have to keep it because it's fucking hilarious to me. So I'm going to say it's a keep. I'm caught between keep or cut because... Welcome to the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that, point, that point is a good point. It's like, well, how old is your brother? Because it sounds like you. And so, wait, are you telling us that the Kirk Jones of this story is nine years old? <laughs> like, how come you never did this voice anytime before this? You know what I'm You've never been an establishment of like you having a relative, or you, the, the person who in real life is your brother is thematically killed on. Uh, I, so it's like, you, lost the opportunity to use that as a voice in this like a secondary voice uh and then i know that he has a line where he's like uh a younger version of me half my age and height but like how old are you kirk jones? <laughs> how tall are you kirk jones <laughs> are, are you 18 21 like what's going on we uh, it's just uh this song should have been like the first song like then we would have been like <laughs> yeah, oh okay this <laughs> you know who he is, and I love Dave Hollister, you know, so it, to your point, it's like, I, I, there's only so many ways that somebody can sing nigga and have it sound elements of soulful, and, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it is funny that that's like the line, like, you're my baby brother, you know I love you, nigga, it's like, <laughs> but he sings it, you nigga, he has the melody <laughs> down pat, so, yeah. I don't know, uh, it's 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 this is the part of the album where it kind of gets like you you want to have the redemption of the character as with any sort of hero's journey but it it feels a bit performative and where like he didn't really do anything in prior tracks to <laughs> kind of deserve absolution and so now you're trying to tell your brother what not to do feels like yeah, but I mean, I'm, you ain't here to guide me, so I'm gonna just try to find my own way. You're like, you're not in my life, so I, I guess just to land a plan, I think. Whew. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna pick it. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go with cut. I'm gonna go with cut. Like, I, I get what the attempt is, but it didn't stick the landing. 
This was like the meme of that guy. I don't know what comic book character it is, but he's got his finger over the button and he's sweating profusely. Like, which one is he? Do I press it? Do I not press it? Yeah, yeah, that was you just now. Like, cut, Keith, I don't know. I agree with everything that has been said thus far, which is complex because one of you voted to cut and one of you voted to keep. It definitely, this is one of those moments, it puts me in a real precocious uh, space as a often you know, uh, uh, trying to achieve and, and swear by being a guest in the house of hip hop. This is a awkward situation where I, as a white man, am faced with kind of wanting to cut what could be called the blackest song on this album, <laughs> with a Dave Hollister hook. It feels undeserved, uh, to Kavito's point. And while the beat actually is pretty dope, I, I do like it. DJ Scratch like definitely did his thing. It almost feels it's a little too abrupt. It sounds like the instrumental that would accompany like a McDonald's campaign. It's just a little too bright, and it's just such a crazy swear. The last song we heard was the courtroom song. I, like I understand that he went to prison uh, as the aftermath of that song, but this just feels a little too. It's too much of a curveball. It 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 just sticks out in a really strange way. And if we were doing this as a film, this is it would be bizarre to cut to a scene that looked the way this song feels after everything. The last ten songs that we just got through. So yeah, it, it's a cut. My one note to that is the song is just funny. It's legitimately funny in both ways. And let me be clear. I skipped this song all the fucking time, apparently, because I don't I didn't remember it. But every time I, I hear the song, I'm reminded, like, this song's fucking funny. I mean, I, do, I can't assume because I wasn't there and I don't know the people who created this. I don't think that there's a world in which they were like, oh, we should make this because it's funny. I think that if it is funny... My money would be on that it's unintentionally funny more than it is intentionally funny. Yeah, there is a message that's supposed to be delivered here where... Oh, yeah. Don't be better than me, but it, it you don't... I played Beat You Up, Made You Tough, Taught You to Fight. Yeah, I, I know family members, my brother included, try to play that role, but in nowhere do you even mention me as your brother. So... <laughs> <laughs> where are these life lessons as the listener? Where are these life lessons supposed to be coming from? And why why is your brother just now hearing this? Or even not even take let's take that back, like not even getting life lessons, like seeing your examples through their eyes just doesn't seem like it was a a, a matter of importance to establish that from the first act, first act of the movie or first act of this album. You know what it is? If we're going with the motif of the film in the studio example here in this whole thing this was they turned in a cut of the film they did a screening of it and the te like they they you know got the surveys from the audience it's like yeah you know the studio thinks it's a little too bleak we could really use a positive older brother figure in here could you uh can you add that <laughs> in you have we'll give you three weeks and like here's a little bit extra money we just need something to make the character a little bit more relatable and maybe like have some more empathy they're like oh yeah we'll we'll, uh, we'll write in a brother character real quick <laughs> <laughs> initially he wanted to get Nas from when Nas did the marriage, see? Man, <laughs> hip hop is dead, see? He, he initially wanted to get him 
to do the voice, but Nas was busy. That is a song that is unintentionally funny. <laughs> you know, 100% unintentionally funny. Nas was too busy at this time calling Power 105 or Power 95, whatever it is, and hating on every rapper that ever lived. So he couldn't come and do his Marcy voice. That's what we call it, by the way. It literally seems like <laughs> going along with this like narrative example that they were like, shit, okay, they gave us $30,000. We got to film this extra scene. What do we do? Who do we get for this? They're like flicking the, the TV remote. Like, oh, Dave Hollister. Yeah, come yeah. on, Dave Hollister. <laughs> Yo, like the, the, that's what I'm saying. The features are so random. Like they're actually like both meticulously crafted and selected and both extremely random at the same time. There's no reason why this should ever be an album that features Black Child, Red Man, Eminem, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, this shouldn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just wild to me. All right. We're going to move on to track number 12, produced by Rock Wilder. It is Cheating. Victoria don't know how to keep a secret like a nigga need pussy. A bitch need dick. Sex distance show that out of every ten holes. Whether married or love done cheated before. And if they did it once, they probably do it again. Turn your back, Jerry Springer style is screwing your friend. And that alone enough to make any nigga furious. Maybe he wasn't hitting right. Maybe she just curious. You dead serious, your girl all gigglish. Cause she know I'm right. Somebody slid up in that clitoris. <laughs> How to know if the girl cheating. Gentlemen, ladies, you can't really slide into the clitoris. I mean, you can, you can, you can bump into it, but like, I don't, the, the anatomy is a little fuzzy on this. Are you hearing that it's the same song six times yet? Yeah. Oh, with the, uh, the production. Or like well, the- not just the production. This record is the same song as Money Talks. <laughs> it's the same song. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not exactly the same stee but it's the same song if you if you played those songs back to back you'd be like i just fucking heard this stylistically the way he approaches it it's the same fucking song even the style of the beat is very similar in those joints so this one's tough for me like i couldn't keep both of these joints money talks and this one it's the same song i think we kept money talks so therefore i am cutting cheating I don't have as much qualms with it because I don't write the way you write. And like, I, I'm not a rapper who writes rhymes. I'm not picking up as evidently as what you're saying about how these follow the same sort of format or structure. But I will say outside of all that, I it, it, this is hard for me to listen to. I don't think that it does much for the story. And it just seems like it's a lot of misogyny for, for, for no, you know, real constructive reason. It, Maybe it, it it's weird because it also happens what's happening in the story now. He's in jail. I guess he's in jail and maybe his girl is cheating on him while he's in jail. But this doesn't expose a side to the character that I think helps the story. Uh, it's 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 a pass. It's it's a cut for me. Yeah, for that same point, cut. If we're going to go back to the character Vanessa, who was in the beginning, he he took from somebody else and then... She proved to hold him down while he was going through his ordeal. It falls completely out of the stratosphere for him to like not establish that she's now seeing somebody like maybe maybe her and, and uh, superb have hooked up and he's hearing about her from Sally or something like that. It just didn't go. It didn't go anywhere 
while the line for turn your bag, Jerry Springer style, screw your friend could be used forever because of Jerry Springer's legendary status. There's there's nothing really else about the song that you can keep. Yeah, like a lover who has been uh, spurned. We're kicking cheating to the curb. We're going to move on to track number 13 featuring X1. It's What You Want, produced by Buddha, Chucky Madness, Epitome, and Shamella. I want the coke spots, cartel, the drug lives. I want bad guns, four fives and bad guns. I want my own club, mad dough with no love. I want a dump chick, carry work or bus trip. I want my own hood, projects to pull apart. I want a wild out, smoke bus and blow up. I want more clothes, ill crib and wardrobe. I want show ice, your wife, your wife. The bottom line is I want everything, your credit cards to the wedding ring. Out of state strips would have to be basic. 98% shit, make a fiend, brain shit, face it. I've likened this to like, even when I was younger, thinking that, oh, this is maybe him fantasizing about stuff while in jail. When he gets out, what what he'll be able to get once free. And this is like how I'm going to, I don't even know if it's about going about getting it, but like, this is just a a laying laying in a cellular, like just trying to daydream about what he could have if uh, given a chance. But not even given a chance, but like, given an opportunity to like rob people for their publishing deals and then, you know, getting a different chance to be the new Omar fresh from, from jail. But it's a, it's a cut for me because it doesn't make any sort of sense. I have left the fucking narrative in the dirt. There is no narrative to me. It just isn't there. Like it's not there. Like I can't, you're shocking us even when, Kavita, when you're being like, well, as we know from uh, the Vanessa character, and like I see my, <laughs> yeah. I like see my face and I see Midas's face, like, who? Like, what are you, what? <laughs> who the fuck is Vanessa? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had to, I had to leave it because if I, if I, if I judged it on the merits of the story, it mm-hmm. would not be a two because the story is not a great story. Uh, it's just the novelty that it is a story. That is kind of where the juice is, like because nobody was doing records, even trying to do shit like this, as we clearly have talked about in the beginning, like there's only like one other record that attempted this. And to that point, that record had a great narrative, but that was also directed, you know, like that record was directed by Prince Paul in in a, in a way that this album uh, was directed by the main artist, which is probably a little a little different in that way. But with that being said, this one's a cut for me. This particular concept is a concept that I've heard a bunch of times in different songs in different places, and this probably isn't the best one of it. So it's a cut. No, I mean, so much of hip hop songs can be just aspirational uh, in terms and setting your claim for what it is you want to achieve or what you are achieving. So it's not even a particularly fresh concept or a tool to use to drive a song. I'll say for an album, this is pretty notable for me that this is the first song on the album that I listen to. I'm just like, oh, album cut. Like, this is just like straight up an album cut. I could I could take it. I could leave it, whatever. I think all the other songs, whether or not, you know, they're the strongest, they at least have a strong identity. To me, this one just didn't really, from the beat to, to, to the writing to everything else, it just doesn't stick. I wonder, Sean, and you kind of just said it right there that it, kind of doesn't have a strong identity anyway but i bet you i bet you this song plays different if it just comes earlier in the album like i feel like if this song is track four or track six 
And then one of those songs was this song. It's fatigue of of the that's so when I keep talking about like it's the same song, there's a fatigue that you kind of get from like, all right, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like how this kind of rocks is this, but if this song's earlier, I could see I could see at least myself being like, yeah, I like the song. The song is dope. But then by the time I hear the the equivalent later, I'm like, ah, I'm I'm kind of not really trying to hear that. So yeah. But yeah, it's a cut. How many songs do we have right now? Six songs. We have four more to keep, and we are moving on to track number 14. It's Ghetto featuring Petey Pablo, produced by Buddha, Fran Lover, Shamello, and Spider-Man. Can you be rich and be ghetto? Yep. And just cause you poor, do that mean that you ghetto? Nope. Some people don't understand what it mean to be ghetto. Huh. And if you gotta ask, then you probably never know. Being ghetto, it's just the things we do sometimes. Like hanging your clothes on the oven to dry. But you late, you gotta go, and they ain't ready yet. You put them on anyway, and rock them halfway wet. First you wear, then return everything you buy. Always looking for a discount to the day you die. Got three kids by three different guys. And all it needs to get a lot of time shot. You know you ghetto when you use a wrench for a channel changer. No antenna, you gotta use a metal hanger. Drink from the container, put it back in the fridge. Knowing damn well that shit was wrong, you did. Put salt on your food before you even taste it. Get a doggy bag. Ghetto niggas ain't wasting shit. You know you ghetto, no. You know you grind. When you iron dirty pants till them shits get shiny. Can you be rich and be ghetto? And just cause you poor, do that mean that you ghetto? Some people don't understand what it mean to be ghetto. And if you gotta ask, then you probably never know. See, this is a song that is intentionally funny. Yes. There's a song on Big Pun's second album that is a similar thing where he's running through all these tropes. I forget which one it is, but uh, he, he's talking about all of these sort of like calling cards of, 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 of ghetto, of lifestyle. There's another one, too. I was trying to think of it while it was playing. There's another one that came out in a similar time. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a keep for me. I think it's fun. Uh, I like the beat too. I like that little switch up every four bars. Again, does this steer the story much? At this point, I don't know what's happening in the story at all. Don't worry, Kavito's gonna tell us. Yeah, yeah. We're like, this is the part. Cut to Kavito pointing behind him the the hastily drawn the, the <laughs> diagram of all the the, the, the pins with the yarn on the on the map and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah like, uh, what's the character from? Uh... It's always so sunny. sunny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's going to be a cut for me. Oh, wow. I love the song. I think Petey Pablo's riffing is is hilarious. I, I think that the uh, the lines that are delivered are, you know, tropey and, you know, funny to a certain extent. But the way I have my little, like, cheat sheet, basically... It still makes a it, it cobbles together a decent storyline out of it without this included. It's like yeah, you know, there's a sense of humor to it, but when is this happening? Is this, <laughs> are we still in Sticky Fingers, Kurt Jones's dreamscape while he's incarcerated? Like this would be like in the film, Kirk Jones like gets out of jail. Maybe he breaks out. Maybe he finally gets let out, and his his friend is driving him home. And they drive by a comedy club and Kirk's like, hold on, wait a second. Let me, let me get out here real quick. <laughs> Gets out of the car, walks directly on stage onto the stage, grabs the mic and does like th- a tight five minutes set. I'm like, you ever notice how people from the ghetto do this? <laughs> they hang their clothes on the, on the shower and like 
walk them up with halfway wet. Like, nah, it's 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 cool. Like I said, to your point, Mike, it's like, okay, this is this is the same as money. He does it like four times right here. Yeah, like, but I, I it's a cut for me. I'm gonna tell you the things that I love. Number one, ghetto, ghetto. That's hilarious. I, I love it. Number two, the second voice that has to come in and say what it, you put it on anyway and rock it halfway <laughs> wet. Yo, that shit is fucking <laughs> hilarious. I be dying off that every time. He said, knowing damn well that shit was wrong, you did. <laughs> Yo, I, I'm telling you, bro, like I, I adore this song. Again, I thought about why. I thought about the uh, st- st- uh, Kirk Jones versus the state or state versus Kirk Jones. And I thought about ghetto because it's just stupid. But I appreciate it for being stupid. Like, because at least, you know what? There's there's a lot of stuff for this album that doesn't make sense in the narrative, but then it's also not very good. So then you're like, well, then what the fuck is the point of this? But at least this is not making any sense in the narrative. But at least it's funny. And 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 again, to 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 big up Sticky, every song by itself to me is a joint. It's just how they mix on this record that kind of is a little strange to me sometimes. But like any one of these things, like especially I think about if this album would have come out nowadays or if these joints would have dropped in like the, the way that we consume music now, which is track by track and like not so much in album form. I think this record has a whole different life, even as a, which is super funny because it's an album that's supposed to be like super co- cohesive. I think it works a little bit better as standalone joints. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I keep this, I keep this song. I'm really curious about the Sticky Fingers solo catalog that came after this, which I'm admittedly very ignorant to. I, I have no idea. I'm looking on Wikipedia. He had two more albums that followed this. One in 2003, it was called Decade, But Wait, It Gets Worse, which I think is a great title for uh, an album. And then in 2019, he had an um, album called It's About Time, completely produced by Knotts, and apparently it was released as a digital album movie and was accompanied by a musical film. That makes sense, because there's a second musical where everything's a rap. So that would be the second one. We're not going to get into it in this episode, but he's so great. And he demonstrates that, how you said every song on this album is joints. It really just makes me want to be like, man, like I need to dig in because all the other two albums were released independently. So they didn't have the push. They didn't have the distro that this one did. So I really feel like I'm sleeping on Sticky. Even if the even if these other two albums are not classics or even if they're not like his best work, I bet that there's still some great gems on them. He's almost never been on a song where he didn't have the standout verse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's fucking sticky fingers. All We Got Is Us is one of my favorite rap albums of all time. It's an album I'd bring on an island with me if I had to live the rest of my life on an island. Like, I love that record. He 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 bodies M on the joint, the, the, the joint on Eminem's album. Like, he just... This is sticky fucking fingers, bro. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a savant with a pen and with his vocal. But yeah, I haven't dug into the rest of a lot of that stuff too. But I have seen his rap movies and they they were great. <laughs> they were great. And he was Blade on TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's been in dumb amounts of movies and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, And, and Onyx still tours. Onyx just did a tour like last year. They're doing now, right? They are doing now. But Onyx is currently re-recording 
their old songs and releasing them. So, go figure, randomly last night, this was a topic of conversation between me and a bunch of my friends. We were hanging out, and I was like, did you know that, like, they're re-recording all of their classic songs? And, like, I think it's one of those Taylor Swift deals where they're trying to get around, you know, whatever. But it's funny because... Added to the long list of similarities between Onyx and Taylor Swift, you know, yet another... (laughs) Some of the joints are like the beat is remade. You could tell like they're trying to get around the sample. Last Days has someone singing instead of no, it being the sample. No. Oh, it's horrible. It's it's some girl going, listen to the <laughs> It's terrible. Other songs, though, have the the beat. It's the same beat from like literally the instrumental off of YouTube, like the beat. And then they just re-rap it. It's the wildest wildest and they, they've re- they, there's like seven of those uh already out i know what i'm doing when we're done tonight oh you have to it's a deep dive that you will have tons of fun on and like they just re- like they're releasing these currently like one just released like last week wow so like just a heads up on that all right so we're keeping ghetto we're moving on to track number 15 it is produced by damien elliott featuring eminem the song is called what if i was white what if he was white? What if he was white? Yeah, white, 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 white. What if I was white? Skin the same color as cocaine. Blind hand, blue eyes, the whole shebang. I know one thing. Police wouldn't always be watching me. Pull me over for nothing. Constantly jocking me. Yellow cabs in the city and stop for me. I wouldn't need collateral to buy property if I was white. What matter if I was rich or poor? Security wouldn't follow me around the store like I'm a steal something. Because I'm black, I rob. And automatically assume I ain't got Let's keep. Let's keep. I, I again. I have no idea how this relates to the story. I the don't. story's gone completely off the rails Story's, by this point. I, I think so. I think so. This is the type <laughs> of like, if this were in the film, this type of like hypothetical, what if philosophical introspection he belongs just woke in the up? first half of the, of the film. It like. Unless he's still in jail and he's really thinking about everything that happened, you know, like, oh, man, what do I want when I get out? What does it mean to be ghetto? What if I was white? You know, <laughs> actually, what the fuck are we talking about? This totally takes place in the narrative. He's locked up. He has a lot of time to think about shit. He's like, I'm going to pen an essay about what would happen if I were born a different race. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Uh, Kavita, yeah. you said that this was there was a shot from the unreleased film Black Trash the movie, wow. So there's, a, I'll include this somewhere. I'll put this on the screen for the video. There's a crazy image of Sticky Fingers with the split screen uh, of, of he's biracial now. Shout out to Sean Fury. Uh, oh, um, wow. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, I think this is another one where it's like, I love a good concept song. I haven't heard a lot of songs in my life about rappers thinking about what if they were born you know a different race i think this it's a good good concept song actually it's a pretty good concept it's a good concept song so my vote is to keep i think i can recall being maybe slightly disappointed that there wasn't an m verse um on the record when it came out but yeah this is fun it's a little cheesy but it's 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 fun a lot of the album is cheesy and fun 
That's kind of the deal with this record is that it's kind of cheesy and kind of fun. I think what's actually kind of fun about this, and this is so crazy given some of the actual words that are said on this album and some of the things that are said. This is one of the albums you could put on like with your girl if you're like, yo, listen to this shit. (laughs) And like, she would probably be like, yo, I'm kind of into this. Like, it's easy to follow you know, well, it's easy to follow song by song, not so much the narrative, but every song itself. You'll know every every song what's going on in the song. Uh, the narr- To follow the larger narrative, maybe not so much. But uh, yeah, it's a big key for me. It, it's another fun. It's just like Ghetto. It's another fun, you know, it's the same thing. It's just a, another fun joint. Maybe this is a continuation of my director's cut where he steps out of the car. He's like, yo, I got to step into this comedy club really quick. And now he's riffing more. He's like, oh, you guys really like me? Okay, what's the deal? <laughs> what if I was white? Black How- people do this. White people do this, you know? Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting conversation to be had when uh, we do the post-conversation because I feel like your point was right. Like, the exchange for... Uh, Sticky being on on Remember Me with Eminem and him getting Eminem to be on this, maybe that was like the condition. Like you didn't rap on mine, I don't rap on yours, but it would have, I guess, uh, highlighted some sort of like nuance if M really gave his take on it. Well, Sean's got a story about that, don't you, Sean? I read online that Remember Me was originally supposed to be on 2001. It was supposed to be uh, Dre's, and then it wound up going on the Marshall Mathers LP. That's all the insight I have. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> but did he say on this record the N word? Like, I would have to assume. And correct me if you have more insight. I wondered if that was Sticky doing a an ad lib in a quote-unquote white voice. Is that... No, that was Sticky. Okay, that's what I thought, but they're both doing white voices throughout the record, but I, I don't I don't think it was them. Yeah, no, no, no. That was Sticky. I thought it was one of the few times where maybe, like, you know, because remember when... Uh, was it was it Benzino who on our... Ben, if I say Benzino pulled this song up, he was like, like see? <laughs> it's like one of those rare times where it's like, oh, we're just going to give him a pass and... and, and it's the context of how it's being applied and it was signed off on. And, you know, it's just Dre was in the, you know, all these things could be put into the to the conversation. So I remember uh, when I first heard, it, I was like, did you just say? Like, no one was mad. So I I, I thought it was tongue in cheek. I like tongue in cheek songs like this. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it was going to be a cut for me. I know I didn't get the majority on this one, but yeah. You know. All right, so we're moving on to track number 16, produced by Big D, Evans, and Sticky Fingers. It's Sister, I'm Sorry, featuring Chocolat. I'm sorry, sister, for all the times we used you. Hurt you, beat you up, bad and abused you. Raped you, took your womanhood, violated you, betrayed you. You women, we supposed to praise you. Instead, we called you hoes and bitches and we dissed you. I'm thinking, damn, what if that was my mother or my sister? You never feel it. Till it hits home, we abandoned you, left you all alone. Well, our babies in your hour need left you all by yourself to raise our seed. All the time. This is the B side to cheating. <laughs> it's a bipolar relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's the B side to cheating. Going back to what I was telling you guys in the very beginning, I don't think I made it this far into the album. <laughs> kind of don't remember this song ever fucking existing. 
So I could cut it and never care about it because I don't really remember it that much. I do remember it, but not really. So it's a cut. I mean, I guess he's sort of trying to course correct on the character's awful shittiness throughout the rest of the album, you know, in terms of how he's treating women, specifically Vanessa. Shout out to Vanessa. We all remember Vanessa. Yes. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, it's a little, for me, it's a little too kind of like schmaltzy, just like, oh, this is your feel good, like, sit down, youngin, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how things should be, you know, it's a cut for me. Oh, you mean, you mean it's a little too baby brother? See, I think it's the B-side to the Dave Hollister baby, baby brother joint, like. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. It's a cut. I was trying to keep this song because it felt like that would have been the follow-up to the state versus Kirk Jones. And he's writing a letter in audio form to the woman who's like, he's a murderer. He killed my baby father. Like, he's trying to say sorry tone for what he's done in that regard. So that's that's why uh, I wanted to keep it. Some of the lines, like I said, they don't really age too well, particularly in that first verse. But yeah, that's how I was looking at it. Like, See, I thought he was talking to like his legitimate sister, not like black women. That sisters. would that would really make it the B side to the baby right. brother. <laughs> like, yeah, where did the sister come from? Well, and the reason why I say that you're gonna laugh at my my logic for this, but just the fact that it's titled "Sister," I'm sorry, <laughs> instead of "Sister," <laughs> I'm sorry, because like if you say "sister," you be your sister, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, kind of, kind of, you know what you know it to be. So I was like, yo, he's just, he's actually talking to his sister. So not until you were just talking just now that I ever, ever think that it was possible that he was just referencing like sisters. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't even, I didn't even consider that. My mind is blown. So Kavito, are you, you really approach this like you're, the story comes first for you. Or are you also saying that you think that this song is, is amongst the 10 best songs on the album? So the 10 best songs on the album, yeah, I do feel like this takes away from, uh, it adds more of the nuance to where we're going in terms of story, whereas the the other songs like Ghetto and What If I Was White are, are filler. They're filler at best. Like I get the, the guest appearances or high profile, but I would uh, argue to say that this is, a little bit more nuanced for him in terms of for like how he has this black trash movie. It's giving a little bit more of a a focus for the character that we're trying to get to know in terms of this autobiography. It's kind of like streamlining it a bit more than where those other songs kind of made it go all over the place. I get that. Yeah, I understand that. Um, sorry, we're cutting it. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Ooh, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's out of here. It's yeah, gotta go. <laughs> yeah. All that said, um, we're moving on to track number seventeen. It's "Get It Up" featuring Fredro Star, produced by DJ Scratch. Get a seat up, play the cut, lighten it up, rag on my head, eyes looking halfway dead, pull my thugs to the club, straight off the street, I'm iceberg to my feet, about a third of the week, relax baby, don't spaz cause he touched your ass, I ain't say shit when your friend touched my dick, I see Brooklyn scheming, we all in the spot, but that's hip hop, we rap niggas from off the block, is it me, or is it getting hot in here, I think somebody about to get shot in here, the 9 mil guaranteed to clear the 
a spot in here. And we get searched here. We got clocks in here. Somebody point me to the whole sucking cocks in here. I think they're trying to shut it down. I seen cops in here. Big key for me. That's the Onyx record, B. I mean, that's a straight Onyx record. So after the State versus Kirk Jones, the narrative's over. There's no more narrative. He left it completely. At that point, he was like, I'm tired of this shit. I just want to do a fucking <laughs> rap album. That's <laughs> what rap. And then he did. He rapped for the rest of the fucking album and shit. But uh, that's a keep for me. It's an Onyx record. DJ Scratch, Murder. It's funny because, like I said, I don't remember getting this deep in the album, but um, the my version of the album, this actually showed up pretty early. So this is my, <laughs> this is my shit. And uh, I, I got a lot of love for this joint. I want to keep it. Yeah, this is a key for me. It bookends the uh come on record from earlier and then as fred has a good like statement piece like this is still my home team the onyx is out so that's why i'm keeping it yeah this is an obvious keep to me it's just a great song not much to add like do you like dope hip-hop then here you go you'll enjoy this uh we're gonna move on to track number 18 it's the kirk jones conscience part three i ain't going back Saying. I ain't getting caught up in that nuts of shit, man. This bitch done caught a nigga. You know what I'm saying? I did what I had to do up in there. That, 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 that bodega right there, but fuck that. I gotta get this money right here, man. I'm not going back. Shit. Yeah, it's a, it, you know, cut. It's a cut. We have nothing else to say. Uh, we're gonna move on to track number 19. It's Licking Off in Hip Hop featuring Columbo the Shining Star, produced by Mike Punch Harbor. <laughs> Your tears. I'm about 175 in dog ears. My block so hot, step outside and get sunburned. Unless you're talking business or money, I'm unconcerned. I live for now because my days is, is this over. produced by Punch Punch or a different sort of punch? Mike Punch Harper. Okay. Genius had to get their fact checking together because it has TDE's punch as a producer. And I was like, wasn't he like the same age as us when? <laughs> and on the, on the opposite coast, yeah. I mean, not that he obviously Sticky had traveled to uh, L.A., but yeah, no, this is not Punch. You say you was looking at Genius just now? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Genius. I I, I read one of their things on my lyrics, and they're like, Midas meant such and such. I was like, No, I did it. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't say. I didn't mean that. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a key for me. It continues that that Onyx feel, and, and you know if we're already letting go of the Kirk Jones, because he doesn't even refer to himself in this <laughs> third person character now. It's just like, yeah, just getting, getting, getting one off, you know, getting all his raps together and, uh, you know, a shout out to the line about new line because he was probably in his movie, movie bag at that point, right in this, this verse. So, uh, we'll keep it. This is a song that I like, and this is probably the one that I deliberated over the most of whether to cut or keep, because it's got the ferocity of all the other songs that I really like. You know, it's it's Onyx Jace. It's it's Onyx Jace. Sticky fingers, you know, doing what he does. I don't love the beat as much as I love some of the others. It has that bounce thing going on that it's just not my preferred way of hearing Sticky Fingers rap uh, on beats like this. I ultimately 
decided to cut this song um, because it just felt a little superfluous to me with so many other records on here that I think fill a similar space. So Midas, you are our deciding vote here. Oh man, get get this song the fuck out of here. It's gotta go. <laughs> it's gotta go. This sounds like every, hey, have you heard what, what the Rough Riders are doing? We gotta do something like that. Facts. Era of Northern hip hop that existed for a stretch. Like, remember that fucking awful song on Raekwon's album uh, that had on on a uh, mobility that had the fake Swiss beats beat? Uh, oh my god, it was awful, awful, awful. There was a there was a it, that era of like, oh, we just need to have these type of songs now because that's kind of what's popping. But like, shout out to Swiss, nobody could ever duplicate the beat, what he was doing other than him. But everybody sure fucking tried for 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 a little bit, and this this sits right there. So it's got to go for me. I, I hate the beat. I detest the beat. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on then to the final song on the album. It is Wonderful World, produced by Big D Evans and Sticky Fingers. I've seen trees of green, red roses too. I've seen them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I've seen skies of blue and clouds of Yo, white. I love the cuts that they put in that. <laughs> Those are the stock keyboard cuts. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's a good callback, you know, being from Queens, Louis Armstrong, Hallis is in Queens. I can see like it's a, a bit of a nostalgia. This is to me like the credits rolling. Again, I, I I wasn't a fan when I first heard it. I didn't know any of the story at that time about how much you had to go through to get that that song cleared for the album. But hearing it now, it's like it's a good nostalgic sort of homage to somebody who's probably made an impact on on him when he was coming up. But uh, so it was a cut for me. Uh, yeah, apparently the song originally had original lyrics that Sticky had done, and he was denied clearance, and he had to write a letter to the uh, estate of uh, the Armstrong estate, and they said that um, he could use it, but he couldn't change a single word from the original version, so it became a straight-up cover. This is another one, like, is this amusing? Is it funny? Is it funny on purpose? Is it funny unintentionally? I agree with you, Kavito. It is definitely, like, uh, credits rolling. You know, this is... Let's wrap it up, folks. Bizarrely, this is a keep for me. I enjoy the novel... This is a novelty-like album, and this is a very novelty song, and... uh, I'm not mad at it. I think like when we take this whole, when when we collectively decide or when the government or some higher power decides that hip hop must stop and we're going to freeze it and it's never going to be a thing that happens again, this needs to go in the canon of like, oh yes, and one other thing in the 21st century, the rapper Sticky Fingers from the group Onyx, known for their loud, aggressive raps, presumably for no reason we can figure out, sang It's What a Wonderful World and we have it on recording. I, you can't throw it away because it's so bizarre that it's like, sure, let, let's keep it. So my vote is to keep. Oh, my vote is to cut. Uh, so listen, going through the album today, 
was the first time I've ever heard this song in my entire life. <laughs> uh, I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, listening to it, I was, I was so like, and, and I, I read the story as well. And I'm sitting here and I say to myself, <laughs> and I say to, I say to myself, so you had this, you had a whole song in the key of what a wonderful world. They denied the whole song that you wrote and said, no, 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 you've got to sing our song. But you weren't trying to sing their song, but then you just sang their song. What is the purpose of this? I don't even understand. I don't understand the point. I understand. At that point, to me, it's just, all right, well, then fuck it. I don't need the song. Like, it's gone now. But the fact that he, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just got love for Louis Armstrong, whatever. I just don't feel like the ends justify the means here. Is it the credits rolling joint? Absolutely. Except there's no credits rolling. So then <laughs> the movie the ended a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Like it actually is not a movie. It's an album. You know what I'm saying? Like Okay, okay, but wait, like artistic license. Are we not can we not maybe say or assume that perhaps this is an album just filled with misery, with people making bad choices, with people not living their best version of themselves. And it's like an sort of ironic thing where he's like looking at it like, what a wonderful world. Like, what happens to Kirk Jones by the end of this film? Is he dead? Is he in jail forever? Is is he on the run forever? And like, he's looking at what his life was and this world that he was into and all of these circumstances that led him down the path to make these decisions. He's like, what a wonderful world. It's like, it's like kind of fucked up. It's dark. I bet you that that explanation is close to what he was going for yeah I, I i bet you i bet you i just don't think it works yeah i would him like in still in his cell older you know maybe not serving a life imprisonment or anything like that but just like unable to shake his his proclivities and what a wonderful world it's like that song that you hear him singing as like a way to keep himself sane yeah, I mean, maybe the execution is not as good as the intent that we are projecting and hoping in the best case scenario. That, <laughs> really yeah. try it. Yeah. All right, so we're cutting it. We're in, this has happened before, uh, and it happened again. We have nine songs. We, we need have to, to add one. So we have to add one. So uh, this will be the, the quick fire round. Everybody look at your list, and we will come up with what we want to add back. You know, you know this is you guys' fault, right? You guys fuck this because the album is... <laughs> front loaded and then you guys cut a bunch of songs in the front i was like oh they're fucking this because the end is not great my nomination is my dogs is my guns i would co-sign that one what do you got Kavito? i was either gonna say what you want or yeah what you want i mean i could i could go with my dogs and my guns just to have a little bit more of a sequential but yeah, what you want was the other one that I had on here, Sharkle. Yeah, I, I would co-sign my dogs as my guns from what we cut. All right, well, we're, we landed on that. So here's our 10 tracks. We've got Come On, My Dogs Is My Guns, Not Dying, Money Talks, Why, Oh My God, State Versus Kirk Jones, Ghetto, What If I Was White, and Get It Up. 10 songs, Black Trash has been cut in half. Our question is now, this is two parts here. Have we improved the narrative of this album? I would still say no. I don't... No, we've no. heard the narrative of the album, actually. 
Yeah. Is this a better album? I say yes. What? Okay, you initially said three to three point five mics. So where does this album sit now? So on a mic level, it's probably this means that my initial take might have been three, and now this is three and a half. But mics don't do what happens on this record justice. And what I mean by that is, if you were to not have the uh, the ability to have hindsight like we're doing here, 2020 hindsight and looking at this. But if you were to just get, you go to the record store and you get this album of 10 tracks, there's literally nothing like this in the rap landscape. And it's fucking crazy to hear. Yo, you would bug out listening to this shit. Similar to how we bugged out listening to this shit the first time we heard it. But like, you'd really bug out. I think this album benefits, gets better without the narrative. Because I think the narrative just confuses shit and doesn't allow you to immerse into each track properly. Uh, and I think the the sequence that we just put together does a better job of that. So I'd say my initial take would have been a three and then now it's a three and a half. Kavito, what about you? My initial take was three and a half. Now I would I would probably so we do three two five, three point two five. Oh, so it, it got worse for you. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm I'm being a bit of a stickler in this case, like just in terms of uh maybe what the intentions were going from the beginning of the album and then how it splinters in different ways near the end like once once like you guys have been saying like once he's been found guilty it kind of just goes it's, it's just over <laughs> <laughs> like that's the credits rolling but uh and how i had it like my original draft it was like well maybe we can still salvage what happens once he gets sentenced and and maybe take away some of the filler tracks and, and and tie it up in a bow. But he didn't give us anything. That's a good yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, hold on. He hold didn't on. give us one song that helps us do that. Kavito, <laughs> if, if we if we had done it your way with your cheat sheet list, tell me what happens in the second half of the story of Black Trash. What happens to Kirk Jones at the end? So he's found guilty in State versus Kirk Jones. Uh he he finds a sort of a redemption story or at least a, a way to kind of atone for what he did and why with Sister I'm Sorry. Uh, he, he gets out. We won't, like, have the consciousness saying that he's out, but, like, licking off in hip-hop is maybe, like, his arc where he's coming to fruition and he's putting his path behind him and he's all about the raps. And I had... Um, if I'm getting the count right, get it up as a part of that too, since it's the Onyx, Onyx record. So it's Onyx, him being a part of Onyx as like, oh, now, and leaking off in hip hop is is closing out that by like giving him a a real world tie in. Like I'm really a part of Onyx. This Kirk Jones is not just. <laughs> I really did this shit, dog. This ain't a movie, dog. I mean, it is a movie, but it is yeah. <laughs> So okay, so that's interesting, and I never thought of it that way. So, in, so your envisioning of this is that he goes from being Kurt Jones to then like sort of breaking the fourth wall, and this is the story of how he becomes a member of Onyx. Yeah, like he becomes the thing that he might have been trying to actualize without us knowing it in terms of his actual career, but like the story is fictionalized in those parts. I think that that is really good. 
I and I wonder if maybe I'm overlooking that. But okay, so this is I'm I'm seeing it from your perspective now. There are songs that I think myself and Midas, if I could speak for him a little bit, we liked the songs better, but they were literally filler songs in terms of fulfilling your vision and maybe his vision of what the the narrative was. Like what what if I was white and, and ghetto have no place in the went to prison, gets out, redeems, and then becomes a rapper? And maybe maybe we buried that, but yeah, I mean, it would have been a better album and narrative. I don't know if the all those songs are songs that I'd want to revisit as much as I could listen to Ghetto or What If I Was White as Lucy's, you know what I mean? Or, or just, just play them separately. I, I, I can see that, like, it's just to, to the earlier point, like, there are certain sounds and, and bars that kind of match up, like... Uh, you know, like licking off a of hip hop book ending, book ending come on is not just, you know, a sonic thing, but it's kind of like what you're saying. It's the cheat codes of how he got these records out as opposed to them being standalone Lucy's or sent out a different way. My mic score actually does not change at all. This was a 3.5 for me and it still is a 3.5. I almost wish, it's interesting, the conceit of this album is that it's conceptual and it's a story and that's really what makes it interesting and the cover is very cinematic, the artwork is cool. We've determined over the course of a couple hours that it didn't necessarily achieve that. If this is an album that is instead presented as Sticky Fingers... You know, this is me off the top of the dome, not good answer, like raps about topics, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the it's, anthology. It's, 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 it plays a whole lot different. It plays, it a, plays lot different. a whole lot different. I don't know if I pay attention to it as much, if it is called that, if it's not presented as this narrative thing, maybe that d- wouldn't have caught my eye and I'd be like, oh, you know, to me, it's like some of my favorite songs and I think I've shouted him out before on other episodes, like a guy like J Live has songs where he does things, maybe not always story writing wise, but actually technically that like, yo, nobody's ever done this before. That is really fucking crazy. Like this, you want to talk about, we were talking about Hamilton earlier. This is something that like, yo, you need to check this out because what you know about what hip hop can do, there's actually things that like other people are doing that are, they're putting their own spin on it. And I feel like he is doing that. Sticky Fingers is doing that here where he's making songs. Like there are no other people that have written songs about this or or they haven't done it as well or done it all on an album that has so many of these type of joints where gun, you know, money, dogs, uh, all, all these like sort of devices that help carry a song. But I don't know if I'd pay attention to the album as much if it was presented like that back in 2001. And I, even with keeping the ones that I like, the needle still has not moved that much. This sounds like a negative downer on the album. I still want to say that my appreciation for Sticky Fingers was revamped and refreshed by revisiting this album. He's so fucking good. I would say he is criminally underrated when it comes to the discussion, but that's how I feel about this one. Yeah, I think uh, just to put a button on it for me, you hear any of these songs on a on a mixed show or a mixtape and they bang and you're like, yo, this is a highlight of that mixtape. It's just, I don't know that they sit real well in a 72-minute listening. It gets old in a 72-minute listening, but not by themselves. You know, by themselves as singles or as one-offs or whatever, all of these songs are fire. If Sticky Fingers put out 20 albums and had one of these on every <laughs> on every album, it'd be a highlight of each one of those 20 albums. You know what I'm saying? But all those 20 songs in a row, eh, it's a little, it's a little tough. 
you know, he's playing gimmicks here. He's playing with the gimmicks. He's like, yo, it's a, it's, it's a this kind of album and this is what we're doing. And the gimmick is the draw of the record. And then Sticky Fingers being amazing is what, what'll get you through it. I think the biggest thing that kills the record for me or not kills it, but hurts it for me is it doesn't have great replay value as an album. It's a really good collection of records from a really talented MC. It's not great replay. And it's funny because this album sits in my heart and in my memory. Like when Sean, when Sean hit me and said, yo, we're doing Sticky Fingers, I was like, oh shit. Because I remember it fondly. But, you know, and that's the same just to, as a throwback when we did uh, Prodigy's first album. I remember it fondly. And then we went through it and I was like, fuck, this isn't as good as I thought it was, as I remember it being. And I was like, really, ah, yeah, fucking we're doing, you know, whatever. So, so I do think that some of these things don't age great, but not even that it it's about aging. It's just about what's that thing where like things are just better when you're fucking 17 than they are. Nostalgia. In the nostalgia, it's beautiful, but in the in the current, it just doesn't, it doesn't play the same way. I have a lot of movies in my home collection that I love. They meant everything to me. And my experience with other similar movies to them have taught me I should probably not ever watch this again. I should I should actually just keep the memory because under under tighter scrutiny might not work out so well. That's that's where we're at with this album. For me, anyway. I agree, guys. And I appreciate you guys letting us have this good conversation about it. Well, we want to know what you all think. So scream at us uh, in the... Uh, all the ways that you can scream at people on the internet. Using the face from the Black Trash promotional poster. Oh, yeah. And if you think that I'm not <laughs> going to try to turn that into artwork for this episode and maybe put our faces in there with AI, <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're dead wrong. Thank you again, Kavito. Yeah, appreciate it. Yes, thank you. That was fun. Big shout out to Kavito Clark for joining us on this episode of Making Illmatic on the Questions. Follow him by hitting his social links in the episode notes, the very same episode notes where you can join the Questions Patreon. Salute to the Patreon. Shout out to Midas the Beast and Czarism for making the theme song to this show. And hey, while we're giving shout outs, I want to say what's up to all the other shows on the Stony Island Audio Network. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Questions Hip Hop Podcast. Uh, uh.